We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hook em up with Ian Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. The fabulous fifth hour here on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. We told you all morning, Rod not here. Rod uh, getting through some uh, some illness that he's dealing with. Had a heavy fever yesterday. Let's hope the best for uh, RB, and uh, we'll keep you posted as we can. Also keeping you posted as we can into the fifth hour of our plan this weekend. You're making plans to get up to Arlington and uh, be a part of the Longhorns' first trip to the Big 12 title game since 2018. A chance to finish with, uh, man, what a what a season capper it would be to, to, to uh, finish off a 12-1 season, uh, to, to, you know, win the Big 12 championship, make it a bookend. Of course, won the first one with the win over Nebraska way back in the 90s, and then the last one, two in between in 05 and 09. Not enough, I think that's fair to say, but at the same time, it uh, would be a nice way to, to, to launch off into the, uh, into the Southeastern Conference and certainly launch off into whatever comes beyond Saturday. And as I've said, I think Sark, you know, he, he's, he's been hesitant, I think, to go all in on lobbying for his team in the CFP. He was asked about it yesterday and said, why wouldn't I Why wouldn't I think our team is? But I really believe he wants to keep this team singularly focused on this game, uh, understanding that uh, Mike Gundy's won seven of the last ten matchups of this, this, in this matchup, including last year's game, where we, 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 I was at the game. I was in Stillwater. Longhorns were the better team. I mean, it wasn't close um, to me uh, as far as talent on the field. But Oklahoma State with Mike Gundy and Spencer Sanders at the time found a way to win that game. And don't think Mike Gundy's not going to have something up his sleeve here. He's, you know, found a way to go from 2-2 two and two to 9-3 and three and win 7 of 8 and put them in this game. Uh, you know, they're a two-touchdown underdog, but I don't think that matters to Mike Gundy. So point being, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you have a chance to win this game. And, you know, then, then I think right after the game, on your post-game news conference, on the field, on ABC – you immediately begin to lobby for your team. You immediately begin to, you know, scream from the rooftops about your team, the one loss, the best win in the country, your you know, narrow last-second loss to Oklahoma, your rival on a neutral site. Um, that's not a bad loss at all. Uh, Oklahoma's a top-15 team right now in the country, and they beat you by an eyelash. And you beat Alabama. You have the best win of anybody. That will be the message from Sark. But uh, I do believe it's going to come and will begin right after because uh, that next morning, Sunday morning, is when the College Football Playoff Committee will announce the Final Four. Uh, and that's the one that matters. There will be another one revealed tonight. And, Ty, you were saying you believe it's going to be uh, uh, tonight it will be uh, that Texas will move ahead of Oregon. Is that uh, right? Uh, I think that would be make a lot of Longhorn fans happy if Texas were to move ahead of Oregon based on a 50-point win over Texas Tech on Friday night. I think so. Uh, I mean, a win over a common opponent. Uh, Tech struggled with Texas Tech in Lubbock. Uh, obviously, that's right. Playing there is different, but uh, and it was way months before. But uh, you know, I, I think the the committee that will give them enough reason uh, to to move. I think the you're right about that. I, I 
Uh, but, I mean, the question is, if you go ahead of them tonight, will it matter if they beat Washington? And will that give them the data point they need to move back in front of Texas big picture? That's a scenario, and I'll be eager to see that tonight when it comes out. The college football playoff rankings uh, will be revealed for the, the penultimate rankings. And uh, I think we'll all be eager to see where that stands. I mean, obviously, Ohio State's going to tumble. Does Texas stay ahead of Ohio State as a one-loss team? They're not in the AP poll. What does the committee believe tonight? Uh, will be, you know, much awaited. But the most important ones are obviously Sunday morning. And the Longhorns, you know, have to, to put that final data point, clinch a championship, and then begin to make the case because you just said it. I mean, the, the, the Longhorns in Oregon now have a common opponent who was Texas Tech. And I know it says 38-30 to 30 on the scoreboard with Oregon over Texas Tech, but that was a 31-30 to 30 game. Uh, and Texas Tech had a chance to go win that game, and there was a sack fumble uh, return for a touchdown that made it 38-30. to 30. Um, It was a very close game. Texas just beat Tech by 50. So, you know, again, it's different times of the year, but you know, wins matter. Uh, on the field matters. And Texas has more quality wins than Oregon. They've got the best, better road win without the Alabama game. Uh, seven Longhorn opponents are bowl eligible, including Texas Tech, who they just beat by 50 points, and they share that common opponent. Uh, and obviously, if they were to beat Oklahoma State on Saturday, that would be a nine-win team that's uh, playing for a championship. So a uh, lot stacking up, but you got to go win this game. Before we get to a conversation we had earlier uh, with our buddy Ari Temkin of SiriusXM's Big 12 Radio, his thoughts on this Longhorn game. Of course, Ari used to work with us here in Austin, covered the Longhorns closely. Now he lives up in Dallas uh, and does great stuff there, but working for SiriusXM. I wanted to play this cut from, from Sark before we get to, uh, for, to Ari because Sark, we just talked to Craig Flowers, you know, expert in leadership training and elite team training, and uh, spoke, uh, you know, Sark, he, Craig was, was impressed with the way Sark has gone about intentionally building his culture in comparison to some other you know, previous Texas coaches and certainly Jimbo Fisher. But uh, let's hear Sark. He was asked yesterday uh, about you know, Culture Wednesdays. Somebody asked him, what are Culture Wednesdays? What is it about? How does it work? And how has it impacted your locker room? No, so we started um, Culture Wednesdays not this past summer, but the summer before, so going into season two. Um, so my, my, my thing is, you know, the old adage, you know, trust equals time plus consistency. And so I think one of the things you're always trying to do as a coach is build trust from coach to player, player to coach, and then player to player. Um, and, but it's hard to build trust when you don't really know each other yet. And so I've always tried to do culture activities um, after year one because then you start to really get to know people and personalities and things, and you start to get an idea of, of uh, who's really invested in what you're trying to accomplish and, and maybe who's not totally on board, which that's okay. I, I totally understand all that. So we started that a year ago, and I thought that uh, the guys really responded well to it, um, and they, they enjoyed it. And then we started doing those culture activities on – you know, Fridays before games. And I was a little bit more sporadic a year ago with that. I just did it kind of the weeks I felt like we needed it. But coming out of the season uh, last year and in my exit meetings with the players, they all referenced those culture Wednesdays. They all referenced those activities that we did about, you know, what was something that you really enjoyed this year and what would you like to see more of? They all wanted more of that. And so 
back to the drawing board, doing my self-audit, okay, how can we incorporate more of that and what different activities can I do? And so we've all got coaches in the profession um, that we've got different relationships with. And so I leaned into a couple of those guys on different things and sharing ideas that we do and that they do. Um, and so we really try to take it to another level this summer. And we've taken it to another level this fall. There's never a game when I don't do a culture activity Friday night, you know, before we go to the hotel or go get on a plane to, to go to a road game. And inevitably it's forged a real connection because guys are really starting to know one another. Um, and guys are sharing things with one another um, that takes courage, right? Um, but also sharing things with one another that maybe they normally wouldn't like, how simple it is to write a note to somebody in the room that inspires you and why. And you write them a handwritten card and you hand it to that person. Well, that's really powerful for you to write as a person, but imagine the feeling it is when somebody hands you a card and you read why you inspire somebody else because you of your work ethic or the type of teammate that you are um, or your ability to persevere through an injury um, or your ability to be a scout team player knowing you're not playing on Saturday but you know that you have an impact on us winning a game. And so all those types of exercises, I think, have grown us to be tighter together. And um, sounds like from the sounds of what the players say, that we're, we'll, be, we'll be doing more of them as we continue to grow. So that, that's pretty cool. All right, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, evolving as a person himself, and that's something uh, you know Craig was clear to say. If you, you are one type of leader and you want to become a better leader, you have to rep it and you have to work on it, and you can. Uh, and Sark, of course, you know, ego is the enemy, as, as Craig said. Um, you know, Sark was a young hotshot coach, right, coming through with the USC and uh, gets a, you know, had a, offered an NFL job when he was in his early 30s with the Raiders. Um, he was a hot thing, and obviously that came crashing down with his personal issues at USC, and he's been open about that and dealt with that and then climbed his way back, and here he is, and now realizing how important it is to, to invest that back into your football team. Pretty good story, uh, pretty good stuff, and the Longhorns would like to finish this thing with a championship. With that in mind, uh, some inside thoughts from uh, our man Ari Temkin. Ari, former colleague of ours, good friend of mine, but he is now you know, the host of Big 12 Radio on Sirius XM, Channel 375. Talked with him earlier about this matchup, Texas and Oak State. You lived here in Austin and worked with us, Ari, and covered this program. Uh, it really is hard to believe that 27 years of this conference, this is only their fourth appearance in the Big 12 championship game. By, you know, based on its resources and what they, what they have, it, not nearly enough, but uh, pretty cool for Longhorn fans to get one more look at it on their way out. Well, yeah, and, and you know, yeah, I think the, the relevance this year of the schedule you know, is so impactful and important on this you know, quote-unquote revenge tour for Texas. I mean, you, know, you think about the last decade plus of this football program and the way in which teams in this conference have, you know, really victimized Texas. And I mean, you think about the the loss to Kansas a couple of years ago at home and how much that's made te Texas the, the brunt of jokes and their record against TCU since TCU joined the conference, their record against Oklahoma State, you know, Texas Tech fans. I mean, you think about their, their schedule this year, E. They play Baylor, Houston, K-State, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Kansas. So pretty much the entire Southwest Conference, Big 12, 
foes they've had over the years. And the only one they didn't have is Oklahoma State, the team they're getting in the Big 12 championship. But they've beaten every one of them. Obviously, Oklahoma, the one that they didn't, but they're moving out of the SEC with them. They have handled business, Texas has, against the teams that have victimized them over the last decade plus. And Oklahoma State is probably the one that's victimized them the most over the last decade plus. Yeah, you're right about that. And uh, we, we're kind of the keeping receipts to her, right? Longhorns will own, uh, since they are moving off to the SEC, the, the forever bragging rights on these teams, whether however it went for the last, uh, we know the last 12, 13 years of Texas football has not been up to, up to par. Uh, that's the hope that Steve Sarkeesian and the staff have turned it on their way to the SEC and get one, one last uh, trophy on your way out. Not enough, but uh, still would at least um, you know, finish it strong. <laughs> All right, what about Oklahoma State? Uh, puzzling team. Certainly at the beginning of the year, there was talk of what's going on with Mike Gundy. You know, we know he's not a big fan of NIL. Um, you know, his roster got turned over. He's looking for a quarterback. And it felt like September he treated like a preseason, like he was rotating three quarterbacks. They were trying to figure out what their identity was. Um, but, you know, they, they lost their first conference game to Iowa State and then had a bye week, and they came out of that and uh, were 2-2. Two and two. And have gone seven and one, uh, and have you know they've got the one really inexplicable loss at Central Florida, but have, have won seven other ball games uh, with with you know maybe one of Mike Gundy's best coaching jobs to get this thing into Arlington on Saturday. Yeah, it's it's been a remarkable year for Oklahoma State to say the least. You know, I picked them as the Big Twelve champion uh, before the season started, and I did that because. You know, I wasn't sure about a lot of the coaches in this league. This is a league of parity. I expected that we were going to see that again, and I just kind of thought, let's go with the coach that we know, and you know, I really liked what Oklahoma State had coming back. Now, with that being said, the first three games didn't inspire much confidence because of what you mentioned, which is that Mike Gundy really did treat that like a preseason where he was rotating three quarterbacks through, even though we heard all offseason about how good Alan Bowman looked. He also only gave 19 carries to Ali Gordon the first three games, and now he's a leading rusher in college football. So, you know, look, Mike Gundy has a lot of things. I think certainly this year there was some luck involved in their success, but um, he's also the type of coach that's not afraid to change and change in season, and the adaptions, that they, the adaptations that they've gone through over the course of the season offensively and defensively are nothing short of remarkable. Um, and, yeah, obviously they, they've built their offense around the running game and Ali Gordon, who's been spectacular, but they, they're good up front. They're really good along their offensive line. They've got good schemes. Their fullback, you know, handles blocking for them well, too. So it's not just Gordon. It's about what they have up front. And that's why I think this game is going to be so intriguing. It is strength on strength. It is strength on strength. And uh, as you talk about the, uh, the, the Oklahoma State, um, you know, thorn in the side of Texas. I mean, it's really, I mean, the, the last 10 games, the Oklahoma State's won seven. The Longhorns are three and seven in their last 10 matchups with the Cowboys. They're more than two touchdowns, a favorite in this game. And that, that, that seems to me about right. I mean, I've said uh, to our audience here that this, this game feels like the uh, the Big Ten championship game to me, Michigan-Iowa. That I want to say it's a formality, but if you show up, handle business, the only team that can beat Michigan Saturday would be Michigan. And I think the only team that can beat Texas on Saturday is Texas. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I, I, I agreed you to agree to a certain degree. I think, I mean, I, I, Oklahoma State has a lot more uh, firepower than Iowa on yeah, offense. That's but, true. Yeah, I mean, that's look, I, but, but I not think the defense exactly, that Iowa brings. Right. No, no doubt about that. I just, I would be shocked if Michigan lost. I would be less shocked if Oklahoma State won. Now, granted, what you said is 100% true. Texas is far and away better. And we said that going into the year. I mean, I remember when, when we talked about this coming into the season, like the question marks around Texas were more on Sark and some of the things we hadn't seen yet. And they've done that this year. They have finished games in a lot of different ways and things that we, I certainly questioned coming into the season about Sark. 
you know, he's, he's done an unbelievable job to, you know, instill this culture and, to, uh, you know, nurture the culture. And, and, you know, now we're seeing the fruits of that labor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Texas up front of both lines of scrimmage is, is really good. We knew that coming into the season. I think defensively they've been even better than we expected. Offensive line has been really good. You know, so many weapons. Um, and then, you know, we saw Arch Manning on, on Saturday. Not just not that I expect to see him this Saturday, but, man, I, you can't help but wonder what next year's going to look like because he's an athletic freak. Yeah, uh, good arm. Showed, showed the speed to get to the corner in that game uh, in his work in the fourth quarter of the big win over Texas Tech. Ari Temkin is with us. Ari, you, you gave us the great stat. I did not realize that uh, on, on Oklahoma State. Ollie Gordon, who may win the Doak Walker Award, he's kind of a fringe Heisman candidate, candidate right now after his five-touchdown performance in the win over BYU Saturday. Um, you know, he only had 19 carries in their first three games. Uh, he has burst on the scene here. Um, you know, well, what's the story here? Is that a Fort Worth? He's a guy that uh, wasn't the high recruit but man give me your give me your thumbnail and scouting report on ollie gordon what makes him special yeah from ulis trinity um texas apparently got in on him late and he was firm in his commitment to oklahoma state he's a tall running back runs with great balance about six foot one um and look i mean i you know he's you know the idea here is and sark mentioned this yesterday you know he gets stronger as the game goes on i think it's more about you know how he maintains his level and yet other teams you know, disappear. He had five touchdowns, as you mentioned last week, but all five came in the second half in overtime. He had three touchdowns the week before that, and their win over Houston all in the second half. So when you look at the second half of games the last two weeks, he's had eight touchdowns uh, out of his 20 in the last two weeks. And uh, I mean, two weeks ago against Houston, they went away from him in the first half. It was kind of bizarre. And, uh, and they, they found themselves in a hole, but they, they were able to dig out in the second half by just handing him the football. He's, he's been, again, nothing short of spectacular. He's the main catalyst and reason for why this team is here. And it's not just him. It's the offensive line. It's the way the running game's built. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he is a really talented running back, and he's just a sophomore. Yeah, just a sophomore, and you said uh, he gets stronger as the game goes on and wears teams down, and he certainly did that last week. And uh, but that does play right into the strength of Texas, who's allowing you know 2.7 yards a, a carry. Um, you know, but you know this is probably the best back they've seen. They gave up 100 yards to Taj Brooks last week against Texas Tech, but they so overwhelmed the passing game uh, while giving up you know this, this couple of chunk runs to Taj, uh, kid out of Maynard. But uh, that will be the challenge. But it does seem to play to the Texas strength. Uh, hey Ari, big picture for the Longhorns. I mean, um, you know, obviously they're thinking get a win here and then then see what happens on Sunday what's your level of optimism the Longhorns could find their way into the uh, college football final four yeah pretty crazy that that's even a question right I mean you'd think a one loss Texas who beat Alabama at in Bryant Denny Stadium yeah. by 10 points if they won a big 12 championship they'd be a shoo-in for the playoffs it's pretty wild yeah, I mean, I think it all starts with with Louisville beating Florida State. I think you got to have Florida State out of there because you know that's an undefeated Power Five champion if they win that game. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not so sure about how you know what they would need to happen in the SEC title. I'm I think I I would think Georgia to win that way you'd knock Alabama officially out, even though you'd think Alabama should have been knocked out based on Texas's win over them. Um, and then you know Michigan's probably in. I don't think Ohio State has much of a shot. So, I, you know, when I look at kind of the other situations with four unbeatens right now in Power 5, I think it, it kind of starts there. It's all about Louisville knocking off knocking off uh, Florida State. But it, it's sort of ironic, right? I mean, this is a, a program in Texas that has had this brand that's prided itself on its brand. We've talked all the time about the importance of brand when it comes to the BCS National Championship or the college football playoff. 
And, you know, it's almost as if Texas now is feeling like what it's like to be Baylor, Oklahoma State in its final year in the Big 12. If they are left out, it would be absurd considering it's a one-loss Power 5 champion that beat Alabama on the road by 10 points. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Appreciate Ari Temkin. Uh, he mentioned uh, he'll be at that game on Saturday. I know a lot of you will as well. And The Horn will be at the Big 12 championship game. Why wouldn't we, of course? Got to be up there. Friday afternoon, we've got a spot. We're going to tell you about uh, starting tomorrow morning. We've got to put some final touches on the on the, on the the plan. But uh, we will be coming to you live from downtown Dallas uh, on Friday afternoon. Much very similar and maybe the same spot we were uh, last uh, October uh, when Texas played Oklahoma. Uh, if you like good barbecue, you might want to come join us. We'll tell you what time and where we'll be on, on Friday afternoon if you're making the trip up. And then on Saturday morning, we're going to be in Arlington, right in the belly of the beast at, at Jay Gilligan's. Jay Gilligan's is a really cool spot, and we've gotten several texts from folks who grew up in Arlington or, or you know, went to UTA or have been up there that, that uh, highly recommend Jay Gilligan's, and that's where I will be broadcasting live on Saturday morning. Uh, the time's still to be determined. We're trying to decide if we're going to go 8 to 11 or 9 to 11, but either way, we'll be on live with a, with a couple to three hours of pregame coverage ahead of that game. One note on Jay Gilligan's, they will be open early, like about 730 and uh, they do a shuttle over to the stadium. So if you uh, are going to the game and you want to you know, come see us and hang out and have some breakfast and uh, grab a drink, you can then jump on the shuttle and head over to Cowboy to uh, AT&T Stadium from there. And, of course, it will bring you back after the game uh, for your you know, pick up your vehicle and whatnot. So Jay Gilligan's, if you're looking forward, it's, a, it's, it's in Arlington kind of old Arlington, as they call it, between UT Arlington, the campus, and, and Cowboys Stadium. So uh, that's where we will be, and we're looking forward to it. We're going to have uh, some our friends from inside Texas, uh, Bobby Burton, Jerry Hamilton, those guys uh, will be a part of it Friday afternoon. Myself and hopefully Rod Babers is feeling better and will join us, Patrick Davis, Ty Henderson, and the Horn Crew. So, uh, uh, you know, it's the first time in five years. So we've got to do it up and do it right, and we will here on the Horn starting on Friday and into Saturday. Uh, here on the horn. So good stuff right there. Speaking of Jerry Hamilton, he is uh, the senior national recruiting analyst at Inside Texas. He'll be a part of our coverage on Friday afternoon, which we're excited about. I had a chance to speak with him earlier this morning about all things recruiting, all things Texas and Oklahoma State, and uh, we appreciate him joining us. Let me start with this, because I want to talk some Texas and Oklahoma State before we get into some recruiting and what's to come with the portal and everything that you're trying to follow and cover uh, at a very high level. What, uh, well, tell me about Ollie Gordon coming out of Euless Trinity and the type of player he was and what the Longhorns are dealing with. Amazing to me that Ollie Gordon only had 19 carries over the first three games, um, but once Mike Gundy settled on him as the, the, the engine of their offense, he, he might be running his way to the Doak Walker Award. Yeah, very, very interesting, uh, you know, player and prospect. Look, Euless Trinity wasn't the powerhouse they once were when he came out. I think maybe he was overlooked a little bit. With that being said, he was a four-star running back. He was the number 15-ranked running back in the in the country in the on-three industry ranking. He was a guy that Texas offered a, a couple of days before signing day. Um, and Mike Gundy actually kind of laughingly made reference uh, to that yesterday in the press conference when asked, what you know, what does Oklahoma State do when the Blue Bloods like a Texas comes in and offers a one of their players late, and it was in reference to Ollie Gordon. And, my, and Mike Gundy laughingly said, oh, yeah, you mean 12 hours before signing day? <laughs> so I thought, I thought that was actually pretty funny. But Ollie Gordon is a physical back, a multi-sport athlete. You know, he grew up in that DFW area on the same youth football teams with uh, 
you know, some guys on the Texas team. There's a lot of familiarity in this game. There's a lot of guys from Dallas, a lot of guys from Texas on this Oklahoma State roster as normal. In fact, of the 33 prospects that have been drafted in the Mike Gundy era at Oklahoma State, 16 are from Texas, and the majority of those are from DFW area or East Texas. So, yeah, but Ollie was a physical player. He's a long-armed guy. Uh, I can tell you this. What happened there this year was they started the season with a three-quarterback rotation. And Ollie Gordon wasn't the hardest practice player, the, the guy that was going as hard as other people in practice. And I think, I, I think Mike Gunning and that staff had to get him to go, totally buy in. Um, they also had to stop the three-quarterback system, and they decided on Alan Bowman. And all that happened about the same time. And even though they had that loss against Iowa State, that's when they started to come together. Um, and, and when he settled on Bowman, and when they changed the run game from more of a zone scheme to a pull-through power scheme. I mean, and that's where they've gone, and that fits Ollie Gordon. Uh, and, and I think Mike Gundy's done a great job of getting that kid to maximize what he can do this year. And like you said, Aaron, he's probably going to win the Doak. Yeah, Doak Walker Award. It might have been Jonathan Brooks running to that award had he not gotten injured that against TCU. Um, and then the season he was having, but we've seen this Longhorn backfield, and that's you know that's another side of this game. You know, you know it's amazing we're you know going to be going to drill down on this the Longhorn first trip to the championship game since 2018, and Quinn yours should be the story. But we're talking about these running backs. I mean, uh, Tashard Choice, I mean Steve Sarkeesian, they're doing a heck of a job. You co- you cover you cover these guys on the recruiting trail coming out of high school, but uh, so not surprising for you to see a guy like Jaden Blue or a guy like Savion Red stepping in and running the way they were. I mean, this has been pretty impressive as the long with C.J. Baxter going down, was down to their you know third, fourth, fifth running backs, and they still ran all over Texas Tech. No, they did. And, and, and the thing about it is, is they're all different backs. That's the good thing for Sark, right? I mean, C.J. Baxter fits that inside zone scheme. I mean, he fits it, and he's got great hands, and he's really good in pass pro for a young back. Jaden Blue more of the home run hitter, right? You want to get him in space. You want to get him the ball on the edges. Uh, now, you got if you block it clean inside for him and he gets a crease, yeah, he makes a play like you saw against Texas Tech. Um, he doesn't necessarily fit the inside zone run scheme. And people are going, well, he's running tougher. Yeah, he's running tougher. But I'm, we're thinking more SEC next year and the large humans that are lined up across your from your large human. And how does that play into it? But if they can get Jaden Blue in space, they can get the ball out of the backfield, uh, and they can hit. He can hit that home run on those a few occasional carry while he is running tougher. He's never going to be a downhill power back, but he has got a lot of home run. Uh, big play, chunk yardage play uh, ability in him. Savion Red just run. I, I say runs pissed off. I mean that's that's what yeah. he does. That guy is angry on contact. He drops his pad. He is gonna. Ma- he is not the fastest guy. He probably he might would lose the forty yard dash contest among the running backs. But that guy runs with a physicality that you rarely see in a great running back build. Um, and so I, I think yeah, I think the and the guys coming in, Aaron Christian Clark tremendous talent out of uh, Phoenix area. I think he is a big-time guy. I think he fits the scheme perfectly with an NFL running back body type. Jarrett Gibson, Florida's still trying to fight Texas there. Jarrett Gibson, 5'10", 207 pounds, a downhill back, really fits the scheme as well. Uh, So Texas has uh, two more guys on the way that are really talented as well. 
That's why we love talking to Jerry Hamilton. Jerry, we, we get in some debates because there are Longhorn fans uh, talking, you know, as they, they go into the Big 12 title game. It's their last game in the Big 12, regardless of what happens beyond it. And uh, we saw the SEC schedule and the dates kind of trickle out yesterday from Chris Lowe at ESPN and the, the showdown here with Georgia uh, in, in October, and the, the game with Arkansas at Fayetteville, the game with A&M on November 30th. Uh, and, and there are still some Longhorn fans who feel like, hey, uh, why are we moving to the SEC? Why did we make this call? Why didn't we just stay here now that, uh, you know, the four corner schools are joining and they've made the additions? We'd be better off here. You've made it clear in our visits that, you know, this, these recruiting halls the Longhorns are, are bringing in wouldn't be happening if the Longhorns were not moving to the SEC starting next year. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 100%. I mean, look... Cedric Baxter would not be at Texas right now. As great of a, a, a relationship builder and coach to Shard Choice is, he wasn't coming to Texas if they were in the Big 12. And that's opened up the state of Florida for Texas in recruiting. Um, it's opened up the really Louisiana more so. It's just a different response you get from kids. And then I, I, let's be real, like Brandon Baker, the offensive tackle from modern day, who's going to sign with Texas here in a, in a few weeks and, and roll early. He pretty much came down to SEC schools plus Oregon and Nebraska. So it wasn't even Pac-12 out there. It was SEC or Big Ten. I mean, these kids, DeAndre Carter, his teammate, who Texas lost down on the Auburn, he's going to play in the SEC from modern day. This thing carries from coast to coast because these kids have grown up watching the SEC dominate college football, whether people think some of the teams are overrated or not. Now look, I'm just talking from a kid's point of view. They see every national championship. They see the awards. They see the NFL draft. And when you put those three things together, you have a powerful force in recruiting. So why did Texas move to the SEC? So they can maximize their force. And I think it's a powerful force when they're winning. And, and, and Sarkeesian, look, I mean, would Arch Manning have still gone to Texas if Texas was in the Big 12? I mean, maybe, but maybe not. The whole family's played in the SEC. I mean, it's an SEC family if there ever was one. Two at Ole Miss, one at Tennessee, radio shows. I mean, everything's SEC with that family. So, Derek Williams, last year out of Louisiana, would he have come to Texas if they're staying in the Big 12? I mean, look at the schools he was really considering. They were SEC schools. That's just where this is at. And in the state of Texas, um, you know, these kids know if you go and talk to them, you know, when they get that initial list of schools when they're 16 years old or 15, when they start getting recruited – I'm telling you, five out of seven, five out of the top seven in most kids' lists are SEC schools. Then you throw in an Ohio State, maybe if they like out West USC. That's just reality of where recruiting is. And Sarkeesian built the staff uh, knowing Texas was going to the SEC uh, to make the most of it. Uh, great stuff with Jerry Hamilton. Longhorns uh, will play their final Big 12 conference game ever coming up on Saturday. Hey, uh, Jerry, the, uh, the hire of Mike Elko at Texas A&M, uh, and how does it resonate with you, and uh, how does it resonate with recruiting? I know he mentioned the Texas high school coaches yesterday at his intro press conference. He's going to try to rebuild some of those relationships. Uh, that's the main rival and the, and the main recruiting rival, along with Oklahoma. How does Mike Elko resonate with, uh, with recruits, you think? 
You know, I think it, what's interesting is when a coach is hired, I always I'll, the first thing I do is, okay, at, let's see what happens after he fills out a staff. Who does he put on that staff? Because that is so key in recruiting. Um, and I think because Elko was at A&M and he understands the state, um, you know, I think he's, uh, he'll keep Elijah Robinson, which is a key for uh, defensive line and keeping those guys on the team. Because there were a lot of Twitter goodbyes being written uh, a few, about 48, 72 hours ago um, that weren't published, but they were being written. So keeping those guys, the ones intact that they want to keep in the program, I think that's big. Uh, but I, I, it's, it'll be interesting to see who he fills out his staff with. Like I said, I don't think he's coming in green with not an understanding of, of the staff he needs to put together to, to maximize recruiting in Texas uh, so I, I think I think they'll I think they'll do fine I think Mike Elko has enough of a feel to do fine him himself I, I mean you know to be determined there's just not I, I think he's I think he's good with coaches um, how's he going to resonate with kids? I think that really comes down to how many games you win. I mean, he needs to have a good first season at Texas A&M. I mean, he's not coming in with a bare cupboard now. I mean, this, uh, you know, they, they, there's a lot of talent on that on that team. They've just got to piece together some of the positions in need. Um, they got to keep their quarterbacks healthy. They got to better on the offensive line. But I mean, there's a lot of defensive line talent. There's some good young players in that secondary if they all stick around. Um, there's some good young running backs. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with an Evan Stewart. If Damian Craig's not on that staff, maybe Evan Stewart comes back to Texas A&M. Not out of the question because I think if Damian Craig is retained, there's no chance he comes back. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with Elko's offensive staff, and I think he understands and knows all these things that I'm talking about. So it gives him an opportunity to have success. Jerry Hamilton. Last thing, Jerry, you talk to these coaches uh, all over college football and the high school coaches. Is there any way to put into perspective how busy this December gets starting Monday, whether you're playing in the playoff and you're Sark or not, or you're getting ready for a bowl game? The portal, you're trying to close a, a, you know, the 2024 recruiting class on December the 20th. That window opens uh, while you're trying to get ready for a bowl game, while you're trying to re-recruit your own roster to keep them out of the portal. Uh, you, you know, that's why we see these staffs continuing to grow with people. You just need as many hands on deck to yeah. handle the next couple of weeks starting Monday. Yeah, you have to have an NFL type of personnel department these days. There is no Mike Gundy talked about it in his press conference yesterday. Um, he said all our coaches after the game Saturday, they won't go back to Stillwater. They'll scatter to go recruit. I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, that Big 12 championship games it ends an hour and a half later. You're on the road recruiting. I mean, just think about that. You know, they go back with your team. You're hitting the road recruiting. The portal is madness. I mean, just, I mean, like the linebacker from Vanderbilt, the team captain put his name in the portal. Uh, Will Howard <laughs> put his name in the portal, or, or announces he's going to put his name in the portal already. I think it's going to be, I'm not sure it's going to be wild this year, but I think it's going to be a little bit more so than last year. Um, I, I think this is the first year that I think we're really going to test the limits of uh, of the portal. Uh, because just when you see the, the the captain of the Vanderbilt football team put his name in the portal. I mean, that's just that thing you didn't think you would see in college football four years ago. And I know, look, he's he's been there a while, and he's got an opportunity to go win. And I mentioned he's a Flyer Mound Marcus kid. Uh, so I think it's going to be crazy. These coaches, I mean, look, this, these next three weeks for them, like you said, Aaron, and if you're in the college football playoff, I mean, just think about yeah. dealing with all that. And the craziest thing, Aaron, <laughs> is let's say Texas wins Saturday. And let's say they get in the college football playoff. There's going to be kids exiting the program at Texas on a team preparing for a playoff game. That's how wild <laughs> college football is right now. 
Yeah, because they got to, you know, if they're on the depth chart down and they want to make a move, they're going to have to jump in early. Uh, it is crazy times, but always good stuff with Jerry Hamilton. They have to jump in to get a spot somewhere. You can't wait until no, uh, January 2nd. I mean, you're, you're, you're no. too far behind if you're a kid that's leaving a school. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that like stocking. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Oh, time for what's poppin'? I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bed in the morning. Really good. Ball posted. If you missed uh, Jerry Hamilton, Mike Craven earlier this morning, Dave Campbell's Texas football. Interesting conversation. He was at the Mike Elko introductory press conference yesterday down in College Station. And uh, also, of course, Craig Flowers jumped on. I heard Ari Temkin. Good stuff today. Uh, if Rod is not back tomorrow, uh, and we hope he is, our buddy Nick Shuley is going to come on in. Uh, Nick Shuley, of course, uh, with our live music set list ATX, but also with the Clark Field uh, creative and all the things he does with the Texas NIL space, is going to jump in with us if Rod is still not feeling well. Ty, of course, will be here as well. Uh, but a lot of good conversations there. Talk about this game. But, man, uh, you just heard Jerry Hamilton say it uh, from inside Texas. Uh, crazy that you really do have to have, like, an NFL front office staff to handle what's coming. And it's part of, um, you know, the, the, the blitz of, of dates that come. It's for every program, but you know the, the the date to me that is important for Texas is the December second, because that's the Big Twelve championship game. If you win that, uh, you're going to hear Steve Sarkeesian immediately begin to lobby for his team to be in the fourteen playoff if an, if a spot opens up, because uh, clearly if Florida State, uh, Oregon or, or if Florida State, Washington, Georgia, and Michigan win Saturday and Friday night, it won't matter. I mean Texas is going to be out. There's no lobbying to do because that's four undefeated conference champions out of the Power Five. It's never happened before in the, in the history of the Final Four here, the college football playoff. Uh, so if that happens in your Texas and they slot you at five, then you'll just, you know, you know you, Longhorn fans will be shaken and frustrated because, man, because um, as Ari Temkin said this hour, I mean, think about a 12-win Texas team uh, with a conference championship, a win over Alabama by 10 points at Alabama not getting in. That, that would be unthinkable when the season begins. But if those four undefeated teams win, then, you know, you, you have no control. But if one or two or there are some losses in there, if there's some chaos, then you have to politic and you have to lobby. And the Longhorns have a really strong case, especially if they finish off Oak State and do it impressively on Saturday. Uh, they would have a really, really strong one-loss resume, maybe the best one-loss resume. And uh, so we'll see the college football playoff rankings come out tonight. Ty, our producer, Ty Henderson, is of the opinion that tonight – Texas will leapfrog Oregon, which Texas fans have been asking for uh, all this time, that they should be. Um, you know, Oregon got a win last week, but over a bad team. Texas beat a bowl-eligible Texas Tech team 57-7. to And that bowl-eligible Texas Tech team, Oregon beat them by inside a touchdown at the beginning of the season back in September, same night that, uh, um, you know, last time the, uh, the Texas – the same night Texas was beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Oregon was playing Texas Tech in Lubbock and won by eight points. But as we said, that came those seven of those points came on a, on a very, very late touchdown that kind of covered a spread for a lot of – it was a bad beat for a lot of gamblers because uh, it was 31-30 to 30, uh, at the time of that. And Texas Tech was trying to go win the game and ended up as a, as a fumble for a touchdown. So uh, that will be tonight. We'll see. And if Texas does move ahead of Oregon, and then there is some chaos in the top four, you know, does Texas stay ahead of Oregon if Oregon were to beat Washington? You know, that's the other p puzzle piece you have to put in there. Uh, one of the things for Texas is they're playing a 9-3 and three Texas uh, Oklahoma State team 
who's ranked 19th right now. We'll see where they're ranked tonight, coming off their comeback win over BYU. Probably don't move a lot there. Uh, but so that's how slim the margins are uh, for this. And so if you're a Longhorn fan, Ty, you've, you've rooted for Longhorns your whole life. This would be very frustrating to go 12-1, and one, narrow loss to your rivals in the Cotton Bowl, beat Alabama, yet not get to play for a national championship. That will change next year with the 12-team playoff, at least for this season and this team that's, that's – you know, got, got, got some special in it, that would be frustrating if you end up playing like a two-lane in the Cotton Bowl or something, you know? Yeah, that'd be terrible. It'd be all for nothing. <laughs> be all for nothing. Yeah, well, you'd have a Big 12 Conference Championship, and I, you know, I, I hope that doesn't happen for Sark and this team, but, it, you know, there's a real possibility. Now, you know, the, the real controversial part will be if, if another one-loss team sneaks ahead of them, and who will that be? You know, the candidates would be, you know, you can already hear the arguments, right? Oregon would be one. Uh, Ohio State is one that people are going to push for. They have a huge fan base, and they've been, you know, they were in the four, Final Four last year. I don't think they have an argument, by the way. Cause Oregon's argument would be actually pretty strong if they beat Washington, third-ranked team in the country. Um, but you know, then you start really drilling down on the uh, the strength of schedules and quality wins and bowl victories and all those things. Uh, it's very close with Texas and Oregon, especially if Oregon beats Washington. And how about this tie? Oregon is a nine and a half point favorite in that game. I mean, you, they played, and it was a hell of a game in Seattle way back in October. Uh, and, you know, the, the nine and a half, that seems high, but that's how uh, even Vegas has a really high power rating on Oregon. And they know Washington's kind of just, just skating by here, surviving games like they have the last couple of weeks. Um, so nine and a half, that's a lot. What's your, what's your lean on that, Mr. What's Poppin'? Uh, I think it'll be closer than that. I do too. But, you know, I mean, th- this, is, this is part of why – for whether Longhorn fans are frustrated or not, why Texas is why Texas why Oregon has been ahead. There's a, there's a, there's just a, a predominance within the committee that Oregon's just better than Texas, right? At the end of the day, that's what it's about. Uh, best four teams that Oregon, whatever stat and metric you want to put, you have to use the facts and the data to create your opinion. But at the same time, there's the eye test, and Bo Nix is completing you know eighty percent of his passes this year. Um, you know, he's their loss at Oregon or to, to, to Washington came when they you know, all those fourth down non conversions didn't take points. Almost Dan Lanning cost his team that game. So they're a really good team, offense to defense. Uh, and and I, but I think Texas is a really good team, obviously, offense to defense. And that's going to become the argument between Oregon and Texas. I don't think Ohio State will have an argument because if Texas beats Oklahoma State, they'll be a you know 12 win conference champion. Best Ohio State can do is an 11 and one didn't even play for your conference championship. That's going to eliminate them, and we'll see where they are tonight when the, the new rankings come out. Uh, Georgia, if Alabama were to beat Georgia, uh, Ty, how about that uh, argument that they've won two back-to-back national championships, they lost to Alabama in the championship game after a great regular season. Uh, would Texas move ahead of Georgia, or would they keep Georgia ahead? They'll be the push. I think Texas should be ahead of Georgia in that scenario. Um, so those would be the one-loss teams that you're concerned about. Obviously, if, if Iowa beats Michigan, they're dropping. Uh, you're going to drop behind Texas if Texas wins. So, uh, and you know, obviously, the most likely thing to happen that could benefit Texas as a Big 12 champion is Florida State, as everybody, all of our guests, and we've all mentioned. If Florida State, with a backup quarterback, can't beat Louisville, and and Ty, how about this? Even if it's close, right? Even if it's a really close game, is there any chance under the theory of best four teams? that Texas could get in with a really impressive win over Oklahoma State like, a, like they did last week, like a big dominant performance while Florida State scuffles and, but beats Louisville? 
I, I can't imagine it, uh, a 13-win conference champion from the ACC not getting in. But there will be those, especially in Longhorn land, who would argue, wait a second, we're trying to get the best four teams. And with Jordan Travis, yes, they're one of the best four teams. But without him, they are not. What's your, uh, what's your say on that argument, my friend? I mean, that would be pretty outrageous, but I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it happen. You think that would be outrageous? Well, again, if you go to the mission statement and the creed of the college football playoff, um, it's to get the best four teams, not the most proven teams. That's really not it. It's not even about that. Who are the best four teams? And that's always been the criteria. If Texas is a conference champion, one loss to Oklahoma, and they are healthy, right? And they are a healthy football team with their starting quarterback, there's going to be a case to be made that they're the better representative than even a 13-0 and Florida State team. I don't think it's outrageous. I don't think it would happen, though. I really don't. I don't think it's an outrageous thing, but I do think the – you know, the health of your team will be t- should be taken into consideration. Uh, but I think you're right, Ty, that it uh, outrageous I won't go, but unlikely would be an adjective I would use on that for Texas. But uh, that's what they're trying to get to. And then to Jerry Hamilton's point here and what's popping to wrap up a, uh, a Wednesday, Tuesday edition. Looking forward to a Wednesday. Hopefully Rod Babers can rejoin us. If not, Nick Shuley will be here. Um, you think about that, Ty, the, uh, the, the, the staff of a college football program right now, uh, if you're Texas and you win this game, no matter what happens, you're going to a big bowl game. You're either going to be you know, heading to the Sugar Bowl or the Rose Bowl for the semifinal uh, on January 1, or you're prepping for a New Year's 1 bowl, which would be Cotton Bowl or Fiesta Bowl. Um, your opponent will be determined on Sunday after the Final Four is revealed. Either way, you're preparing for a big game uh, right around the New Year. Uh, at the same time, you are then dealing with the portal, and as Jerry said, when, when he says people, whatever game, now look, I mean, if Texas is preparing for the Final Four, I think there's going to be some guys on the Texas roster who maybe would consider entering the portal that will hold off and wait. Same time, if they're going to the Cotton Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, you may see an exodus from Texas. And it's not like huge name guys, I don't think. I think it's going to be guys who, you know, know another really, really good recruiting class is coming in, and they're already behind the depth chart. And let me see if I can go play and play more somewhere else uh, once this portal opens. And I'm thinking, obviously, of a Malik Murphy, uh, the backup quarterback. If he sees the writing on the wall with Arch Manning, he heard that ovation on Friday when Arch Manning came in the game. He knows that Quinn Ewers is already leaning to, to coming back next year. You know, Malik Murphy very well could jump in the portal on December the 4th and try to get ahead of the curve. Uh, guys like that, Jaden Blue or some of these running backs who are looking at it saying, you know, C.J. Baxter is here now. They've got two more big-time running backs coming in, Texas does, as Jerry pointed out. So maybe somebody in that running back room considers – uh, the portal and not playing in the bowl game or even the final four. Uh, that's just the nature of where we're at right now. I mean, name guys that you're kind of counting on in your head as a fan that are going to be here that maybe explore other options, not because they're unhappy and you talked about the culture of Texas, but because it's just a better opportunity where they can play more. Uh, that will be interesting. And that's going to be happening all over the country. By the way, Ty, some breaking news. It looks like according to this report, uh, Mac Brown has found his new quarterback. Because, you know, Drake May is going to the pros, right, the North Carolina QB. Uh, he's headed straight to the NFL and will be a high draft pick. Uh, how about this? Max Johnson, Texas A&M quarterback, transferring to North Carolina. And it says here under this uh, that the Heels have found their new quarterback. Max Johnson, who came from LSU to A&M, now in the wake of the Jimbo Fisher conversation, is moving to North Carolina where he'll be in competition to replace Drake May. Does that do anything for you? No. Not popping? Nothing. Not no, popping. It's the opposite of popping. Not popping. Uh, agree with you on that. What's popping tonight for you, Ty? You've got uh, your Sex Panther pick of the night. Brought to you by MyBookie and the great folks at MyBookie. Is there a, a game you're looking at where our 50 days of football is over, unfortunately? I don't even know. I don't want to call what we saw on Monday Night Football. That's night football. It's a terrible game. 
Should have flexed that game for sure. But uh, what's your pop and pick tonight? We've got NBA. We've got college hoops. What are we looking at? Mm, I think I'm just going to put some more money on Texas to win a national championship. Oh, you're just going to keep funneling it uh, to win the national championship. That is, what are the odds of that right now, by the way? It was plus 900 yesterday. Okay. Well, Fifth best odds. And, and to win the natty. Okay. So, and, and, and as we said, that's a bet right now that's uncertain whether they're going to get a chance to play for it. You know, they got to get in first. And uh, um, so, yeah, you're trying to take the odds. that You think something's going to happen. They're going to get in, and then they're going to win the whole thing, which is pretty, pretty ballsy, my friend. What about the Houston-Dallas game tonight in the NBA? Mavericks-Rockets. Uh, Mavericks favored by three and a half. Does that do anything for you? That get you ginned up a little bit? Did we got the, the, the I-45 rivalry? Uh, I know Luka's a little banged up. Is he, do you know if he's playing in that game? Luka Doncic uh, cleared to play. Clears to play okay. in that game. Rockets are 8-6 and six with Ime Udoka. They're playing some pretty good basketball, right? I remember they started like 0-3 or 0-4. Now they're 8-6. and six. Mavericks are 10-6 and six on the young season. And um, so that's a, that, that's, a, that's a worth watching situation tonight for your, uh, your Spurs and your Mavericks. So keep an eye on that. Texas basketball back at it later in the week when they played Texas State. Uh, so that's that popping. So you're just going to put money. You're, you're, you're really serious about this. I know you you told me you're pretty much flat broke right now. So you're, what are you using to wager? Are you pawning things now? I'm, uh, these are hypothetical wagers. I'm letting people okay. know. <laughs> <You don't... laughs> and, and I said before right. the year, Texas was going to win the national championship. I said they are going to be undefeated. I was wrong about that. But I, I can still feel it. It's our year. You can still feel it. Got to make like sure we that. don't play Michigan at any point. That'd be, that's, that's a key factor for me. Avoid Michigan. Avoid Michigan. Um, well, and that can happen, right? It depends on where you land, that you can uh, avoid Michigan until the championship game or have someone knock them off in the semifinal so you don't have to deal with them. All right, T.Y., great stuff, my friend. Thank you to all of our great guests today, Craig Flowers and Jerry Hamilton and Ari Temkin and Mike Craven. All of those interviews about our podcast at our website at hornfm.com. Tomorrow on the show, as we said, we hope Rod returns. If not, we will be cranking it with uh, Nick Shuley and Ty and getting you ready for the Big 12 championship game, hopefully to have uh, more firm specifics on our plan up in uh, the Metroplex when we get up there on Friday and into Saturday. We'll hit that for you tomorrow. 6 a.m. Our morning by morning five hour, five day a week conversation continues tomorrow. Coming next it will be uh, Jim Rome, then the Rich Eisen Show, then Patrick with the Sports Complex. Have a wonderful Tuesday everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 6 a.m.